the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. for some things to come up and various course. new developments we'll bring later in the show and our you know our panelists our engineer our guy our producer the guy that does it all Lou Divizio how you doing guys not, not too bad Lou not too bad so pretty you know quick rundown of a very packed weekend of sports a lot going on really on the Michigan State front a lot going on with the national front with the Super Bowl 11 111.5 million people watching the Super Bowl that is by far the most ever watched TV program or show in television history. Absolutely outstanding. Some of the commercials, guys, were some were good, some were great. I loved mm -hmm. seeing that 24 promo. I'm a big 24 guy, so that was big. Lou doesn't like it. Whatever. Um, and then we're talking MSU basketball, as I am the Michigan State front. You know, recap their big overtime win, which, you know, Faith and Lou were kind of doubting, but <laughs> Fino got smart. Picked Michigan State to win the game. We'll break it down and give them a little little bit of banter for it. And then we'll have Andrew Hayes is going to call in. He's going to call in around, I think, 7.03. Should be calling in any minute. Hayes and I will talk, and he'll kind of give us his thoughts. And Andrew Hayes is um, uh, Impact Sports lead analyst slash reporter for MSU Men's Basketball. So it's always great to have him on the show. Not in studio with us, can't make it in. But he's calling in, giving us his thoughts. So I'll kind of pick his brain a little bit and talking about Hoyas, you know, that game against the Hoyas at Madison Square Garden, and which I thought was a disappointing game for Michigan State. I thought Michigan State could have played a lot better, a lot that lot to be desired on the court, really. And it, to me, it was just disappointing. From a Michigan State front, you know, you know, in Madison Square Garden, you only put up 60 points. I understand you're down against a 12, or at the time, an 11-9 team, Georgetown, and you lose the game. I thought that was very disappointing. I thought, like I said, Michigan State left a lot to be desired, you know, especially with the Knicks, New York Knicks playing on that court later that evening. You can understand what it feels to play in a billion dollar in the world, in my opinion, the world's famous arena that it gets that it gets credit for. So, you know what? It, it it's just a complete disappointment for my friend Gary Harris. He gave you twenty points. He gave you you know a lot. But you know, like I said, we'll pick Hayes's brain, and we're lucky to have Hayes calling in. He's on the line with us. Let's bring him on. Andrew Hayes, Fino, what's going on, pal? What's going on, Fino? Not too much, Hayes. You know, I've been a lot better, bro. You know, this game against Georgetown at, you know, at Madison Square Garden, you know, it's very rare to see a top 10 team play someone at a conference this late in the season. First of all, Hayes, I want you to tell the listeners what you thought about this game. Well, all, I mean, for me, you look, you look at the numbers and it tells you everything. Michigan State attempted 29 three-pointers. They got out-rebounded by seven, 
and they turn the ball over 15 times. That's not they can't win that way. And especially there's there's never been a Michigan State team that can take 29 three pointers in a game and win. It's it's just not the way that that, that offense works. Yeah, and Hayes, you mentioned Michigan State went nine for 29 from beyond the arc. That's equating to 31 percent. So that's not too hot. But Hayes, here's to me two things strike out. Michigan State shooting 56 percent from the line. That's I think a disgrace. And on top of that, you mentioned 15 turnovers. Well, six turnovers came from one player, Denzel Valentine. You know, Michigan State cannot win games if they're shooting 56 down the line and Valentine's turning the ball over six times in 35 minutes. I mean, 56% from the line is abysmal. That's Jackie yeah. Moon can do better than that. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I don't understand it, and especially when Gary Harris, the past two games, I think, he's had a three-point opportunity from the line, and he's bricked two of them. I, I don't understand how that happens when he's an 80-plus percent free-throw shooter. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and you mentioned it, Hayes. You alluded to it initially, out getting out-rebounded and all those chucks from beyond the arc. You know, Michigan State out-rebounded by seven. And this is this is Michigan State's M.O. usually when everyone's healthy, I understand, is their rebounding ability. Out-rebounded by seven. Defensively out-rebounded by five. Offensively out-rebounded by two. So they're completely out-rebounded in all phases of the game. It seems like Adrian Payne cannot come back any sooner for the squad. I mean, they, they miss him, but the, the guys that are in there, they've been able to out-rebound. They were able to rebound with Iowa. So I don't understand what, what happened here. Um, if they checked out because it wasn't a conference game, um, I, don't, I don't know what happened, but they just didn't look like they wanted to rebound the basketball. Yeah, we're talking to Andrew Hayes, lead impact sports reporter for men's basketball. Uh, Hayes, so break it down for us. Um, Adrian Payne is rumored to come back against Penn State. I don't know what coach, you know, what you know the other reporters are talking about. I don't know what you know Coach Izzo is telling you guys. Anything you can really tell the listeners on any status on Adrian Payne? Are we going to see him against Penn State or what? What uh, what I saw on Twitter today um, from the uh, teleconference, Tom Izzo's uh, usual weekly press conference uh, was delayed until tomorrow, um, so uh, we, I couldn't get any news from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the word is it's it's up in the air, and okay. I I don't know um, what what that means exactly. Whether it's it's looking promising or what it is, but we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll yeah. find out on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, that's the, I think the big thing is when can you get back Adrian Payne for this team? Because right now, you know, they exploited completely, Michigan State just being completely exploited by just a more physical team. And it looks like, I think Georgetown was on a complete losing streak when they get into that game. And they were just halted by a John Thompson, the third team that was just more physical than them. Seems like they wanted to play better basketball. But to me, I thought this was a game where Michigan State easily could have won. And, you know, Kenny Kaminsky, kind of a bounce back game for him. Decent game from him, but I don't know. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I, I need him to be better than fifty percent. I know that's asking a lot from a, yeah. a three sharpshooter, but he doesn't he doesn't do much else. He had a couple blocks that were okay, but yeah. nothing nothing really jumping out of out of the stat sheet in terms of his defense. Yeah, there's a lot of things I liked what Coach Izzo did with the starting lineup. I think Kenny Kaminsky, for me, is better coming off the bench than coming in Coach Izzo's starting five. So I did like that. I'm curious to know, you know what you thought about that decision and really is that the right move to have him come off the bench or is he better in that starting role? Well, something I saw from the post-game press conference, obviously I wasn't in Iowa but mm-hmm. uh, or New York. Yeah. Um, is that uh, Izzo said that Kenny couldn't find a classroom again. Wow. So that was that was part of the reason I think he was uh, he sat out to begin with. But I think I think Denzel Valentine gives you a better list. I think he can do more for you. I know you got to put Alex Vaughn in there too, but 
I would almost rather see Ellis in there than Ghana. Just go small because uh, Ellis is going to be a heck of a ball player. He's, he's yeah. one heck of an athlete. He looks great. You know, you, you mentioned Alvin Ellis III. He looks great. You know, I know he had a quiet game, only nine minutes, two points, had a steal. But to me, Hayes, Travis Trice, I think for me, has been the most disappointing player so far. I know I've been talking about da- Valentine. I've been ripping on him up. But what's up with Travis Trice? 16 minutes, over five from the field, over three beyond the arc. Can't even get to the line. Three person, you know, three fouls, three turnovers, no points. What's his deal? Is you know, is he falling out of good coach Izzo's rotation? You know, I think he's still kind of trying to battle back. He had you know all those issues, and and Izzo said that he's still pretty, still coming back from that. So I think that's part of it. He's been shooting pretty well. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Yeah. Um, but he'd been shooting decent from behind the arc going into the Georgetown game, so I don't know if it was just a matter of fatigue. Like I said, the whole thing is very screwy to have you know your your uh, non-conference game right smack in the middle of your of your regular uh, conference schedule. So I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Hayes, you mentioned it. You know, you alluded to his you know his stats beyond the arc. He's shooting forty two percent from beyond three. It's not terrible, but with Travis Trice in his third year, you expect a little better. And you mentioned to it, yes, having a non-conference schedule smack dab in the middle of your what should be your conference schedule. Going forward, how does Michigan State bounce back from this game? It will affect them. They're back at the top of the Big Ten standings. So just kind of picking your brain a little bit, what do you think going forward they can take away from this game, if anything? You know, I was looking at the schedule earlier, and, and I think this is one of those games where you just have to take this and you have to apply it to the rest of the Big Ten schedule, and you say, we can't sit down for any game. We have to be up. We have to play like we're the top team in the nation because we are. And, I mean, moving forward, I think I don't see a lot a lot of issues. I, I Wisconsin is a tough game, even though Wisconsin is just plummeting right now. But uh, I, I like where Michigan State is at right now. So you like where they're at. Before we let you go, one last question. So they got Penn State on the 6th of February, and you mentioned that game at the Kohl Center against Wisconsin. Is Michigan State winning both games this week, or do you see them going to the Kohl Center taking care of business? We know it's a tough place to play. Ohio State, you know, stole one in that game. They really did. So what thoughts for this team for the going forward this week? You know, I think uh, it all depends on who they can get back. If, uh, if Adrian Payne can, can get some minutes against Penn State just to get back in the rhythm of the game and get his, uh, uh, get his stamina back up, then uh, I think that'll really help against Wisconsin if they can't get him back against uh, until the Wisconsin game. I think then that's that's kind of an issue. But if he doesn't play in either, I think they split them. Um, split them? Fair enough. Yeah. Perfect, Hayes. Well, always good talking to you. It's always great having you out on the pack, giving to the listeners really the breakdown of MSU men's basketball. Always the best, Hayes. We'll be talking soon, my pal. All right. Thanks, Reno. Thanks, guys. You got it. Take care, man. Yeah. So talk with Andrew Hayes, you know, our guy for MSU, M- M- MSU Impact Sports, men's basketball. I bring in Lou. I bring in Faith. Now we're talking men's basketball. And guys, basically Hayes brought in a lot of pretty solid points. He, he, he broke it down, really, what they're missing, Faith. And it's hard to disagree with, you know, he did give your boy Kenny Kaminsky some love. But it's hard to, you know, again, Coach Izzo kind of with a call-out, Faith, of Kenny Kaminsky failing to go to class again. And is this going to be a distractor for this team going forward? It isn't the first time that Kenny right. has missed class and been suspended from games because of academic problems. And so, gets class, that's one of the main points. I mean, I agree, Faith, but here's the thing. You mentioned it. It's not his first time, guys. He's missing class. This is not... Going forward, Michigan State's already very thin. Do you think that's going to be more of a distraction? My problem is, is that he's a freshman. and What standards does that set? Exactly, exactly. So... 
the fact that he's not going to class just as a freshman does not set a good tone. I mean, for the rest of his career, right. if you're doing this now, I, I yeah, know. I totally agree. And you know what I bring up, Lou, is you know look at someone like Gary Harris, who is all set and done, going to go pro at the end of this year, and basically, you know, he's done. He's going to go pro, and that kid doesn't miss class. Here's someone like Kenny Kaminsky, who, in my opinion, is not going to leave for the draft early. He's going to be there for four years and most likely obtain a degree from Michigan State University, barring any other circumstance. But here's a guy like Gary Harris who's going to class. Kenny, Kenny Kaminsky can't find the classroom, and it's not good getting called out by your head coach in class. Absolutely not, especially as a young kid, like Faith said. I, I don't understand where his head's at. I mean, it's with these injuries, as a freshman – as a freshman with these injuries, yeah. this is a perfect opportunity to step into the lineup and make a huge impact and set the tone for the rest of your career here at Michigan State, you know? You got three years ahead of you, potentially, most likely. Most likely. So why would you not do everything in your power to further yourself? And I, so, I, so I don't understand where his head's at as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, but okay, I, I totally agree. Is you can further yourself, you know, he's, you know after you got 19 minutes – Excuse me, against 19 minutes against Iowa, two for eight from the field against Iowa, one for six beyond the arc, five points. Now he's back to the kind of a, I call it like a six man ish role. He comes back, not starting against Georgetown, and has a way more effective game. 23 minutes versus the 15, three for seven beyond, you know, from the field, three for six beyond the arc. So he's taking three pointers, he's making them, he's effective, but I think Kenny Kaminsky's his biggest enemy. I think so, and I think that's I mentioned that at the end of uh, the Michigan after the Michigan game rather that he seems to be more effective when the pressure's not on him, and by that I mean coming off the bench. I think uh, I think Denzel honestly is better that way too. Unfortunately, we haven't had a chance to put him on the bench to start recently because of the injuries. Yeah. But I, I, I'm going to throw this at you. This yeah. is kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, but go, you guys were talking about Alvin Ellis and how, how much of a surprise, and or maybe not a surprise, but he's a, how, how he's a great player yeah. and how he's really turning out to be something, maybe something, something special. special yeah. I hope so why not throw him into that starting role instead of Denzel with the way that he's performed? Do you think that that would be a bad idea? I think it would be actually a good idea because right now when you're thin, Faith, you got to try anything that's going to make it work. For me – I think Denzel understands he's in a place where he's favorable with Coach Izzo. He attends classes, unlike, you know, Kenny. I know we're talking about how Alan Ellen the third. But the thing for me is, you look at someone like Denzel, is someone like Denzel getting complacent? And if lazy, just, you know, six turn, or I'm sorry, six, yeah, six turnovers in a basketball game against Georgetown at the Garden is not acceptable in 35 minutes. 11 points, 6 turnovers. I understand you had 7 boards. I think the reason why you don't put Alvin Ellis in, and I, I could see to do it, but the only reason why Coach Izzo would not do it is because his rebounding presence. And right now, Michigan State is so thin on the rebounding front, Faith. I think you can't pull Denzel, even though it would be a good idea, but he won't do it. But couldn't you argue that of course. possibly Ellis doesn't have that experience yet, which, granted, Izzo does need to give him an order to mm -hmm. have that presence. I mean, you totally can argue that because, like I said, Denzel's in a place where I know of late we've been very critical of him, but he's made big shots in the past. He's made big plays for this team in the past. Just a couple weeks ago, Faith, we were on we were on air saying this is the best game Denzel Valentine has ever played. There was one. <laughs> yeah, it was one. But there was one. And, yeah. But the point is, when you do it once, you know you can do it again. It's got that confidence in him. So for me, I totally think that, look, Denzel has the experience, but how are you going to get these guys to have experience if you don't give them a shot? 
that's what we're seeing with Kenny Kaminsky. And that's what I'm saying with these two big guys out, Dawson and Payne. This is the quickest way to get players on the bench, playing time and experience and just improvement at a faster rate. I mean, definitely. If you look at Georgetown, for instance, it's not that big of a difference. But for Georgetown, they only played eight guys, eight out of 12 guys. If you look at someone like Michigan State, Michigan State played 10 guys out of 12. So Michigan State is going deeper into their lineup because Appling is picking up the slack. Thirty Again, 38 minutes played. This guy's a war horse. But the, the problem is Michigan State's already going as deep as they can, and you're seeing your depth kind of exposed. And to me, it's very Russell Bird is completely exposed right now. I think there's no doubt about it, Luke. No, no doubt about it at all. And going back to the Valentine situation with Ellis, why not give Valentine a wake-up call? You say he's getting complacent. Throw in a young kid in there in his spot. You know, he might not have to play. He doesn't have to play starters minutes, but put him on the court first. You know, get Denzel fuming. Get him mad. Get him willing to go out there and, work you know, it. work, you know. Yeah. Try not to turn the ball over. Don't throw up useless threes. You know, oh two gosh. for five again. I mean, that's not the worst thing you can do. Two for five isn't good, though, and especially when you know that you're not a good three-point shooter. And Denzel s- still seems to think that he's going to make these outside shots that just have no chance. I mean, Faith, you can see the frustration on Faith's face, and it's, you know, you mentioned it, Lou, not a good three-point shooter. guy shoots about, all right, 29.9% beyond the arc. He shoots 30% beyond the arc. That's not pretty good at all if you no. really look at it. But you look at Denzel, is that a good play, though? Are you going to make him mad to kind of work for his spot, Faith? I know you're upset with the shot selection, but is that the right move for him? I agree with Lou. He was throwing up threes that were not there. They were just not going to fall. But... My concern with putting someone else in and getting him frustrated is that when he comes out, is he going to be a little anxious? Is he going to make more turnovers? Is he going to take more reckless shots? I think at this point, I don't think that that's how he would view it. I know I'm not in his head. I don't know how he would go (laughs) into it. But I don't think so. I think he would use it as a wake-up call to, you know, I got to go out there and play my best. I can't be doing these stupid things. I can't be turning the ball over. I got to be able to – his best quality, assist man. You know, be an assist man. Quit trying to be Gary Harris. You're not Gary Harris. Yeah. I, to, to me, guys, here's what's very – what stands out the most. You mentioned – of course, we just alluded to it. You just mentioned this percentage beyond the arc. To me, what the looks very egregious is the amount of turnovers he's averaging a game. He averages about two turnovers a game, 1.8 if you want to be totally exact – but to me, that's kind of a disappointment because you don't want a guy that's going to go in there and turn the ball over. But I think with Denzel Valentine, he's going to give you a lot. The thing is, he gives you. He reminds me of a J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith's going to shoot a lot of shots and he's going to make them. But it's his ambition that gets him in trouble and it's his ambition that gets him rewarded. So for me, he's a guy of a high risk, high reward. You play him, not that you have a choice that you cannot. But you play him and hoping that he can make those big plays against that game against Illinois, I think it was, where he just out, was outstanding. But then he'll give you games like against Georgetown where he's turned the ball over six times. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think no Tom Izzo team should turn the ball over six times it is by far the most turnovers he's had in a game all season. It's ridiculous. And when I look at it, it just it, it, it honestly really, really upsets me because down the stretch, he had a good stretch of, I think it was from that Illinois game. That Saturday, uh, January 18th, all the way through the Iowa game, which is the 28th. That's five games right there of January where he had one turnover a game. That's fine. If you're doing that, that's okay. But when you go into the game against a neutral court against Georgetown and turn them all over six times, that's unacceptable. And here's the reason why Michigan State played this game. 
I you can listen to the sound bites of Coach Tom Izzo of his pregame telling his guys. You know what he told his guys? This is the uh, relish. Taking this opportunity to play in the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, and play under the big lights in a big city and make something happen. And the fact that Michigan State laid an egg, it's extremely disappointing. And when I say how disappointed I am, to me, it's kind of, look, every team is going to have injuries, Faith. But if you can't perform when the lights are on you... I question Michigan State's ambition for March. I really do. Absolutely. But right now, it's all preparation for March. Yep. yep. So, I mean, this is all learning experiences. And That's granted, fair. Izzo's deepening his bench so that way guys can't come off the bench. Because like we said in the past, on the past pact, you can't rely on two guys. You can't. But right now, you can argue that Michigan State is heavily relying on one. Absolutely. And and, it's, and believe it or not, I'm saying Keith Appling, from not from the scoring standpoint, but just from the minutes, babe, they cannot ride this guy 38 minutes every game. But what what lost Michigan State this game? I think rebounding. I think rebounding is the key thing for me. I mean, unless you have something else. See free throws for Yeah, me. I mean, you can argue that too. You can argue that the Achilles heel of Michigan State right now is free throw and rebounding. If they cannot shoot, make free from the charity strike. If you cannot make free free points, free throws, look. I mean, I can't dumb it down any further. I understand they're going to get out rebounded because they don't have the personnel to do that right now. But you, may, you, you know, Lou, you made the point. Should you take out? Should you take out Denzel Valentine and put in Alvin Ellis the third? The only reason they're not doing it is coaches or knows he's getting rebounded every game. Every game. And I think uh, going back to free throws, 56% against Georgetown. Against Iowa, 55%. You know, it hasn't been good the last few games. It's not just the Georgetown game. So, I mean, they, and it's, it's the things that Izzo's teams have always been known for. Always been, it's been the watermark of a Tom Izzo team, rebounding and free throws. And those have been the two glaring th- problems so far with this team. And it's, it's disappointing, and I don't know exactly where they need to look hopefully when pain comes back obviously the rebounding will pick up but i i mean right now they're searching for answers so we'll see abling is 10 for his last 20 free throws Mm -hmm. so that's somebody michigan state definitely depends on and harris as well he's only 10 for 18 and that was that was the two for five on saturday yeah i mean the thing is those are great stats and you mentioned michigan state cannot be heavily dependent on two players but guess what guys they are well, it's you wanna, sad. You, but it's sad, but you know what? You know, I was telling Goodman off air, and he's like, look, the wings, they're down with injuries. It doesn't matter. This is what you got right now, and this is what you have to play with. And, you know, when it comes down to it, these guys are expected to perform, and Gary Harris especially. The standard is very high for that kid. I agree. And going back to what you said, the correlation between this and the Red Wings, previewing our uh, roundtable later in the show. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, it is kind of the same situation. Injuries right now, they're just kind of trying to make it through until these guys get back. They're battling through. But at the same time, I think that it really is valuable for guys like Ellis to get these minutes, even though Kaminsky hasn't been you know, the greatest player. He's still getting minutes so that when these guys do get healthy, when our big guns are back in the lineup, these guys will have the experience, like Faith said, to come in and make an impact from the bench because they'll be seasoned. And I think that, that is, that's a really valuable thing to have. I think experience is something you cannot teach. It's just something that is acquired over time. But as I was actually firm for Michigan State in this game against Iowa, although my pack panels were not firm in this game, I just want to play a little soundbite from last week's show about Lou making a great prediction about Michigan State versus Iowa. I'm going to go Iowa. You're going to go Iowa by how much? 
uh, round five again. I, I, I just you I don't think, see Michigan State pulling it off. I don't think I think Iowa's. I mean, they've lost to Michigan, but who's hotter than Michigan right now? Yeah, apparently Indiana is um, <laughs> because Michigan did not look good. They did Indiana did a lot of Michigan State a lot of favors. Just giving Lou, you know, just a little fun, a little banter. I love it. I and picked the, Iowa too. Yeah, Faith, you also did pick Iowa, and I was gonna. I spared her of the sound clip because <laughs> My sound clip. Oh gosh, uh, I spared you the sound clip, but. You guys both picked Iowa. So now that you're looking back and Michigan State pulls that game in overtime, I'm asking both of you, are, are were you both surprised at the effort Michigan State gave at, you know, Carver-Hawkeye Arena? Luke? I wasn't surprised. Honestly, I play, they played about what I thought they would. You and just thought it would swing the other way? I did. I thought Iowa was going to get a couple more baskets because, like I said, the free throws weren't there. Like, I Again, knew that they, they Yeah, I mean, second second game more than that in a row that they haven't been there. 55%, that's terrible. And then free throw shooting, uh, Hayes, when he called in, he said they tr- threw up 29 against Georgetown. Yeah. They threw up 29 against Iowa. So uh, it's, it's not very good. So it was kind of – they played the same kind of way. They barely skated by Appling mi- missing those two free throws at the end of the game and giving Iowa a chance to come back. They, kinda, really, they really opened them up, didn't they? They did, and it, Iowa didn't take advantage. So I think, I think that it kind of shows you where this team is right now. I mean – they're skating by, getting wins where they can. It, it, Iowa's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, very, I mean, Fran they, McCaffrey, a great head coach there. So they're a good. very good team, and but they should have performed much better than they did. I agree, but you know what? You can't listen. I understand why both of you picked Iowa. First of all, let's talk for a second. How what what hell of a job from Fran McCaffrey of what he's done at Iowa? Really, Iowa. This team has won seventeen times. Right, they're seventeen and five this year. A great job from Coach McCaffrey. So I just want to give Iowa a lot of credit. That's a good team there at Iowa City. Hell of a job that he's done there. They're a very good team. But, you know, Faith mentioned it. You know, she didn't know if Michigan State could handle and win this game in this atmosphere. Faith, they win this game. You're talking about experience going forward. That's got to be a boost. Absolutely. I mean, we were even talking about Russell Bird, how he shows up. Played 18 minutes that game. Yeah. He shows up sometimes. But, of (laughs) course, he makes the three-pointer at the end. Seals the deal. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that you, you never know what you're going to get. For instance, Travis Trice gives you 21 minutes. He gives you 3 for 5 from the field and 10 points. That's exceptional. And he turns the ball over twice. Uh, but for me, when I looked at it, I understand everyone's in foul trouble. It's an overtime game. It's getting good effort from these guys. I think Keith Appling, is, it gave you 40 minutes. Gary Harris is giving you 41 minutes. I understand it's overtime, but how long are you going to ride those guys? going to be exhausted. It's, they're going to be exhausted. So going forward, guys, I, I can't even see how Michigan State is going to pull it because right now they're skating by. And to me, I don't know how you can skate by. So hopefully they can get Adrian Payne back because right now the Big Ten is down. I really think it's down. I think it's a loose conference right now. I think it's, it's up in the air. But, they're lacking that inside presence but that quick, they need. But quickly because we want more sound bites from both of you from this <laughs> week for next week's show. Um, you know, Michigan State plays Penn State on the 6th. Um, I'm assuming both of you guys are going to have Michigan State winning that game. Payne is rumored to come back, so... Yes, I have Michigan State Michigan winning. State winning? Michigan State. Yeah. Okay, we can agree on that. But what about this game at the Kohl Center? At the Kohl Center, at Wisconsin, against the Badgers, Michigan State versus Wisconsin on Sunday, the 9th, 1 p.m. 1 p.m. tip-off. Faith, who do you have? Michigan State. You like Michigan State in that game, Luke? I'm taking Michigan State again, yeah. Yeah, let me ask you, Faith, real quick. Why do you like Michigan State in that game? I'm hoping they perform. I'm hoping, though, because, like I said, it's been a roller coaster for Michigan State so far. It really has. I think Michigan State's going to give you a very plus effort. I think they're going to win as well, Lou. Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, Payne, 
whether it's his first or second game back, I think he's going to give a jolt to these guys. He really is. I think having either Ghana or or uh, mm-hmm. you know anybody else on the bench in that forward position is going to give them more depth. I mean, just having another body, that's where it's at, you know? Yeah. It is pain, and he's, he's their best forward, but... I mean, just having another body is going to be really valuable for these guys. I agree. It's another body. It's a big boost. We're talking about skating by, but I think it's a big, a bit. If Adrian Payne is rumored to come back and he does this week, I think it's going to be a big, just a big morale boost, a, a big morale booster for this team. And I, I think Michigan State will win the game at the Kohl Center. We'll take a quick break here on eighty-eight point nine FM. This is the Pact. It's, you know. You're listening to the Pact on eighty-eight point nine FM WDBM. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right, guys. We're back on The Pact. We're embracing the Spartan debate as Lou just gave me, just mentioned, guys, Back in the pack, we're talking Super Bowl now. Number to call in, as always, 517-432-3893 is our number. So if you feel free to just uh, disagree with Austin, myself, or Harry, please give us a call and let me know how wrong Fino is. And talk <laughs> about how wrong I was in the Super Bowl. Talk about I, how wrong I was, too. Talk geez. about how wrong everyone was. <laughs> except. <laughs> except someone special, Harry Jaden. Mm. I got the Seahawks, Legion of Boom. You all do. All day long. Let's go with low-scoring game, 21-17 Seahawks. Well, it maybe wasn't a low-scoring game, but but you got something right. And to me, it was really impressive how Seattle played. I thought, first of all, I totally thought Denver was going to win this game. I I like Denver, and apparently a lot of people like Denver because this Super Bowl, Nevada said, or Las Vegas, there was a record for how much money was bet on the Super Bowl. $119 million was spent on the Super Bowl. $111. 111 million people watched the Super Bowl. The most watched ever program. That's what they're calling it, a program, in the history of U.S. television. That's pretty That's pretty impressive if you really look at it. But to me, the most impressive thing is how Seattle played, how Seattle didn't care what other people thought, and how they shut down the number one offense in the NFL. Coming off of saying that the Broncos were going to win the game, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. The Seattle Seahawks came out and had a stellar game in all facets of the game. Defensively, special teams, offensively, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch. Russell Wilson played exceptional. Percy Harvin. Oh, Percy Harvin. What a speedster. Yeah. It was enjoyable to watch those young players actually come out there and get the move the ball and protect the ball the way they were. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. And you mentioned Russell Wilson. Guys, for me, 
that was the that was the big moment. And you say that was your X factor in the game. It was Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I have I, I have the soundbite from it. But Russell Wilson's game, guys, eleven for twenty five, two hundred and six passing yards, eight point two yards per attempt. Pretty good. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Harry Jaden. So to me, I said it. I'm like, if the Seahawks are going to win this game, Russell Wilson has to be turnover free, and he was. Yeah, phenomenal game. Austin talked about dominating all five. I mean, all three phases of the game. Seattle scored a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown. So they did dominate and talk about Russell Wilson coming in here, 17 for 25. Phenomenal game. A lot better than Peyton played. Peyton had the numbers, had the completions, but they were meaningless for for Peyton. Uh, Peyton's first seven completions went for 23 yards. So it was kind of just the Seahawks' philosophy. Give him stuff under underneath. Yeah, Do not were... let him go deep. Do not let him go deep. And it worked. It, 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 it was it, phenomenal. It, it did work. Not to cut you off there. No. It, it, it did work. But to me, the thing was that was so impressive was not the fact that, okay, their strategy worked, was the pressure they were getting on defense. They were rattling Peyton Manning. Cliff Averill looked like a monster. 56. Whoa, he looked great. I mean, just everything works for Seattle. And I think when you're dunking it, you're dunking it down, you're doing these checkdowns, what does that say about Earl Thomas? I mean, what does that say about Richard Sherman? What does that say about how this team just played? I mean, it was just outstandingly. I mean, Chancellor, my man, that guy looks like a linebacker playing safety. He is unbelievable. And I think those guys are due for a big contract, Austin. You know, everybody's saying that the Seahawks played an amazing game, and they did, but the Broncos played a terrible game. Turning the ball over four times, two interceptions from Peyton Manning, two fumbles. You can't be doing that in the Super Bowl game. Absolutely not. Peyton, I would not point the the finger at Peyton Manning, though. Peyton Manning had a relatively decent game. He was being pushed back by his offensive line. They were suffocating him the entire game. The we're talking about this off the air, you and I, Fino, you know, about Cliff Averill and the way that he was playing from the defense. Playing outstanding. Amazing. Amazing play. He, we were saying, arguably caused two of the turnovers. It was a great statement from Cliff Averill and the rest of the Seahawks defense, of course. Yeah. Of I mean, course. I First off, I have to say, of course, Cliff, Cliff Averill starts doing this after he leaves the Lions. Well, they didn't pay but, him, so yeah, I'm yeah. glad this is happening to Lions but, fans because they didn't pay him. You <laughs> have no, to. Yeah. Absolutely. Cliff, Cliff Averill was a great player in Detroit. They should have given them the money to keep him here so we could be in that position one day. The Detroit Lions. Oh, I mean, God, we're not going to talk about the Lions. Story. I mean, the thing, yeah. guys, the thing is, when you have such when you have such a secondary and you get the pressure that Cliff Averill does, Harry, it's outstanding, and now you're seeing what he can do. Yep. And I couldn't disagree with you more about the whole the uh, the blames not falling on Peyton's shoulders. I think all of the blame falls on Peyton's shoulders. He threw those picks. Everybody talks about his Omaha's, his audibles, how he manipulates his offensive line, the routes his receivers are running, and he just didn't do anything right. You could say that the communication problems, the safety to begin the game, stuff like that. I think at least part of it. I'd say a majority of the game falls on Peyton's shoulders. And just the coaching decisions that were made. I know in the third quarter they were down. The Broncos were down 29, and they punted it away on a 4th and 10 on the Seahawks, like, 39-yard line. I think at that point, you play to win the game, as Herm Edwards used to say. But you have to go for it there. You're down 29. It's the third quarter. Punting the ball away for, what, 30? I want to say they punted it 32 yards. For 32 yards of field position, it's not worth the, the rewards of getting 
maybe a field goal, maybe a touchdown out of the drive because you need anything you can get at that point in the game. Well, Brayton Colquitt was their punter. He punted it twice, two punts, 60 yards, 30 average, one inside 20, long of 31 yards, so not even. Mm-hmm. So they were punting the ball. And then, look, you looked at what the Seahawks did on the punting front. They were one. way different. John Ryan had one punt. It was 45 yards, and it was a boot. It, you know, MetLife Stadium, the weather wasn't a factor, so you knew it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be a field position game. I thought it was going to be the team that, obviously, the team that scores the most points wins. But to me, that's what Seattle really dominated, and it was just defense. Absolutely. I want to back up my boy Payton really quickly. He did go 30, 34 for 49 for 280 yards in the touchdown. No, Sean Moreno carried the ball five times, got 17 yards. Well, they weren't giving anybody on the front. And, okay, uh, but, well, you, can't, those, but yeah. you can't put the the ultimate blame on Payton. Yeah, I he think that's not fair. It isn't fair. No, Sean Moreno couldn't carry the ball. ball. Bell couldn't carry the ball. Nobody could play defense. Nobody could put anything together for the entire team. But, but the thing the thing about Peyton is throughout the season, his passing game opened up the run game. So he had to be successful in the passing game. And I mentioned it before, the first seven of Peyton's completions only scored, I mean, only got 23 yards. I mean, he set the record for completions in a game, but he only got 280 yards. It was just above a five-yard average per per completion. That's not enough. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson had about eight yards. I think Russell Wilson outplayed Peyton Vastly didn't make a mistake. I mean, yeah, that you can. Three. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over. Exactly. And anytime you don't turn the ball over in such a big game, I look. I totally agree with you. Russell Wilson played more effective, but Peyton Manning has to play the way he did in order to win this game. This offense is heavily dependent on Peyton Manning. So to say that he's not going to, you know, it's the blame doesn't fall on him. Look, I understand why you're putting the blame on him, but to me, I just don't see it's fair. And also, the problem with. The passing game, why they were dunking dunking the ball down for check downs for five yard gains, also falls on Peyton's arm. He had those neck surgeries. So much was talked about ah, his arm strength. Oh, come on, he makes deep throws in, at uh, mile high, Denver City. But he was two for ten with an interception on throws for over fifteen yards in this game. And that's where your argument of Legion the Boom comes up because they right, before the game they we had were talking about how he was gonna he was gonna exploit the Legion of Boom, but he but couldn't he didn't, do that because he, he doesn't ex- have the arm strength. I, no, 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 he didn't exploit the Legion. He was throwing. Ducks he didn't. Ex- right there's no, 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 there's no. no. He didn't exploit the Legion of Boom. He got his entire offense got shut down. You cannot point he, the finger at Peyton. He controls his entire offense. He's guys, pretty much the offensive coordinator he, out there. He, he isn't in everybody else's bodies in. though. Here's my thing, guys. He's Are, getting him. He's get, he's trying to hundred percent position. He has. Probably one of the best receiving cores in in the NFL, and he, he won't next year because a lot are going open. in free agency. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Both but, the, uh, Seahawks got a little bit better chance to get back there, but Broncos are going to be tough. Yeah, the Broncos are going to be tough. But look, guys, I have the devil in there. I don't think Peyton's throwing ducks. I think he's thirty seven years old. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's a totally different atmosphere. But to me, look at this defense: Cam Chancellor, you know, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas the Third, Bobby Wagner, yeah. you know, Bennett, like Cliff Averill, and Brian Bain. These guys are elite. These guys are all over the place. I mean, I, I completely agree, and they stopped. So don't six say- drives in Seahawks territory. Broncos went to Seahawks territory, and six drives ended in them. Only only got eight points out of that. So obviously, defense was great, but so much was talked about Peyton and how great he was. And I'm going to say this offense was a bit overrated just because of this game, the way they were exploited. Nah, and I do agree that. that the Seahawks defense was one of the greatest of all time. But this Broncos offense what's was the- supposed to be the greatest what, of all. What's time. the famous phrase about defense? A great defense wins championships. And what just happened? Great defense. That's my point, and but, I, th- I, I, I don't think it's game, overrated. We, we were all picking the Bron- Broncos were the favorite because look, the I thought offense. the Broncos. Were, look, I thought a good. I thought Peyton Manning was just on a destiny trail. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought Peyton I Manning was going to win this game, that, yeah. and it says that says nothing about it. I just thought you know legacy and just football g- 
gods. I know how ridiculous that can sound. I just thought it was with Peyton Manning in this game. So I'll be a man of my word. And yes, I did pick Denver to win this game. But I did say on air, I wouldn't have a problem if Seattle won this game. And if Seattle were to win this game, this is what needed to happen. And I said Russell Wilson needed to be turnover free. And he was. He was very effective. Absolutely. I called Russell Wilson the X Factor. He he chose the destiny for his team along with his defense, along with his special teams. The Seahawks team played Incredible. I mean, guys, let's just see how ridiculous we sounded. First of all, how genius you sounded. This is what this is what Harry Jaden said about his man, Percy Harvin. An underrated thing about Percy Harvin is his return game in 2011 and 2012 yeah. when he wasn't injured and he was healthy. He led the NFL is he gonna re- in it- yards per return. Pretty intelligent statement there, Harry. You mm-hmm. know, you basically yeah. called that, and we both did. We said yeah. Percy Harvin was going to be an X factor, and he looked just so yeah. fast, and, my man. And he was bound to have a great game. Prater was so used to kicking out of the end zone in the thin air a mile high, but the Broncos had the worst yards per kickoff return in the NFL, so it was just something had to get. I mean, obviously, Percy Harvin was going to have a great game. I mean, I couldn't have predicted a kickoff return. That's going way out on a limb. No. But I thought he was going to give him an advantage in the uh, and, field and, position. And, and he did, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And he, he completely – his speed just – if you look at the return, Austin, his speed just made it happen. And the Broncos' defense couldn't – they couldn't stand up to him. I – truly think that the Broncos defense shut down in all areas. They were missing tackles. They were missing they couldn't control Russell Wilson. They couldn't control Marshawn yeah, Lynch. I, they had no control. No, I completely agree, but I don't even think we need to talk about the Seahawks offense or Broncos defense because the Seahawks defense and special teams outscored the Broncos sixteen to eight. Yeah. That's the, I mean that's right, the there. right there. I but mean, yeah, no. The 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 Seahawks even left points on the board when they went for it on fourth down in Denver territory the last two drives of the game. Which yeah, I thought was dumb, much. but yeah. I was looking for Pete Carroll to rub it in just like he did in USC in his college days. Nah, that doesn't fly that doesn't fly in the NFL. Yeah, no. Yeah. That does not fly in and he did the right move because yeah, in college it's it another special. animal. In the NFL, that's Bush League. Yeah. And it, especially at the Super Bowl. I think Pete Carroll's slowly learning the game, and I think Pete Carroll's a great he's, head coach. He's brilliant. I mean, I'm sitting the right defensive there like, mind. please hire him for the tennis coach. I would love playing for any. I would love doing anything for Pete Carroll. He's I mean, I would play croquet so, for that guy. Yeah, exactly. He's you know so energetic out there. 62 years old, third oldest uh, head coach to win a Super Bowl, but he acts like he's the youngest by far. It's crazy. By far. And as I mentioned, guys, I'm bringing up these sound clips, and I just love the friendly banter between us. Love that word today. But like b- between us. But here's Austin. From last week's back, <laughs> explaining about how good the Broncos were going to do. But <laughs> it's beyond Payton. It actually is beyond Payton. You think? He, I mean, he calls the line of scrimmage like he does. Mm-hmm. He yells Omaha, Omaha, and I yes, love it. But there are other players around him that just makes him so much stronger. Julius mm-hmm. Thomas, no Sean Moreno. These two players are going to pop off against this Seahawks defense. The Legion of Boom isn't going to be able to stop a speedy little Sean Moreno coming down the right side of the field in for a touchdown. I'll just save him because yeah. I have. All right, I was wrong in all aspects. Julius Thomas, four receptions, 27 yards. We already talked about Moreno. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Don't apologize. I'm wrong, too. I mean, most people were wrong about this game. Especially, nobody thought that score would ever happen. No, before, no, before I'll give you that. And thank God you didn't do a square. And here's my great Super Bowl prediction. As I, I actually I, did do a square, and I won. You did first won. quarter win. Nice. There you go. First quarter, fifty dollars. Hey yo, There you go. Well, here is exactly my excellent Super Bowl prediction. I like Peyton and the Broncos winning twenty-four to twenty. They cover. It's close. I it, it, to me, Denver is just too too much. 
Yeah, they were too much for themselves. Yeah. When they started, yeah. Once they started off with that safety, that was unbelievable, Harry. I couldn't even believe that's how the game started. Did you yeah. see the slow-mo of Peyton's face <laughs> when the ball is going past his face? He's like, are you kidding me? Eat right by his face into the end zone. That, yeah. that, was, that was the start of things, and the Seahawks set an NFL record for most time, game time in the lead with 59 minutes and 48 seconds because they got the, those points, and they never looked back, never gave, gave up the lead after when that. You, when you got such a defense like that, and to yeah. me, that safety – or that you know that fault that bad snap that's not Peyton's fault. No, obviously. absolutely yeah. not. I, th- I just thought it was, the, his face was funny. That's jitter. yeah. That's jitters yeah. right there. That's just Super Bowl jitters yeah. completely. Yeah, and uh, I actually thought the Seahawks were in a little bit of trouble when they got those two field goals when they're in Broncos territory. I was like, man, they got to get these points when they can because later in the game Peyton's going to pick it up, but he just never I, ki- got it in gear. I, I really agree with you. Up I was until like, the, up until halfway good. through the third, yeah. I was still on Team Peyton. Yeah. All right, I, mean, I, I still thought something crazy was going to. I happen. mean, always. Does like I, somebody yeah. turn off the lights in here? Get I, this thing back. To, and that's what made it, it kind together. of the worst Super Bowl. Yeah. Almost, you yeah. know, apparently that was the most watched. Uh, <laughs> I know, but like, I know. It, I want to we know how many people about it earlier. It off, honestly, we were talking yes. about it earlier. It wasn't that entertaining. People are never going to turn it off, though. Of yeah, course, they got to watch. I mean, you got to get the you commercials. Gotta, you got to watch the commercials. The plays. He's here and save thirty. Please pick me. I need that one. Oh my, that that really that really annoys me. To be honest with you, five one seven four three two three eight nine three is our number. We're not giving away one point five million dollars any insurance. But we're giving away some sweet smack talk. And, you know, if you want to call in and just dis- disagree with us, let us know. You know, Lou standing by is always behind the glass. But, Harry, I, you know, I hope you're not going to win that money, first of all. Um, but, but, but second of all, I just think with, with the Broncos is they never got it going. And I think for me, the problem was in that second half, you know, after that kickoff happens, any momentum you had going into the locker room is shattered. You know, yep. it, all the air is out of the balloon on that one. Yep, it was mm-hmm. all the omens were against him. I mentioned the year horse fact, and it the it year of the horse, the year of the horse, and in uh, years of the year, the Chinese New Year was just just turned on at February first. But uh, yeah, year of the horse, seventy eight, ninety in two thousand fourteen, the Broncos made the Super Bowl, and they have a combined score of one twenty five to twenty eight. They lost all all three games. They well, got you, demolished. Year of the horse is not good. Here's another stat: actually, saw an NFL, a Sunday NFL countdown on ESPN. The Broncos have never won a Super Bowl when they wore orange. They, and white, the team wearing white has won nine of the last eleven. And here's the thing, guys. People get weird with these stats. <laughs> very. And here's the, here's the freaky thing. You don't think the Broncos knew about that stat? Of course they did. But the Broncos were the home team. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? They decided which jersey they wanted to wear. They picked orange. Mm-hmm. Can't can't go against can't the home. You can't. Yeah. So they picked the orange. They were very confident. Like yeah. Those football gods. I, I, I thought it was just completely unbelievable the way the game planned out. Commercials were kind of disappointing. But I keep... What did you think about the halftime show? Oh, uh, I didn't even watch it. Really? Not I, a big fan I, of Bruno. I, yeah, I'm really? not a... Come on, guys. I don't, I don't, the Red Hot Chili Peppers I didn't, even, too. I didn't even watch it. Yeah, I didn't watch it. They put on a great show. I didn't show. even watch it. To me, right. the halftime show is such a joke. <laughs> I think it's just the biggest disgrace in professional sports. The commercials weren't too great, but I mean, you gotta love the Budweiser one. Yeah, the, the puppy one. TurboTax was was pretty funny. Yeah, too. they were on their guys. TurboTax was on their game this year. Yeah. Guys, Tebow yeah. made the Super Bowl. Tebow. Tebow made <laughs> the Tebow. Super Bowl. Always in the news. Always stays. He's in the trying news, to do no it. So Tebow's what. now going acting. It's actually unbelievable. Who would have known that Tim Tim Tebow is actually doing something hype? But guys, interesting discussion about the Super Bowl. We're going to roll to a quick break here on the pack. When we come back from the break, we're talking about the Red Wings. And really, that's our pack roundtable. Will the Red Wings playoff streak stay alive this season? It's at 22 straight seasons. We'll debate as we always are as we're embracing the Spartan debate here on 88.9 FM, the Pact. You're listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. 
smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. We're back on the pack. This is your host, Fino, alongside, along with the four greatest people in East Lansing, Austin, Harry, Faith, and Lou. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah, uh, 517-432-3893 is the number to call call in. WDBM East Lansing. It is the pact, as always, and we embrace the Spartan debate. But guys, 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 like the slow roll there from the like smooth jazz. Jesus. Oh, I got I give to gotta give a shout-out to the Hatchet Men. Uh, Dick Lonchinsky. Does all the music for our show. A lot of the music for our online stuff, too. So, shout out there. Big shout out right there. But, guys, it's our packed roundtable. And our big discussion, which always ignites. Someone's throwing gasoline in the fire. And this week, I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> Hopefully not me. Um, but it's, will the Detroit Red Wings playoff streak stay alive this season? Uh-oh. I think they're in trouble. But, you know, I think it's a big point here. You look at Detroit, you know, you know they can't beat Florida. I mean, that's a set in stone. But, guys, to me, <laughs> it's what this Detroit team is. You know, a game against Washington yesterday, which really they were losing abysmally at 1.42. They come back. You know, Nyquist gets a hat trick. No one's talking about Amazing. it. Four points from him. And I think, you know, now he's on Team Sweden replacing um, yes, the sir. injured Johan Franzen. So, to me, I think it's a great effort here from Detroit. But is it going to be enough of late? Austin Goodman. Yes. Yes, 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 it will be. At no point throughout the season have the Wings lost faith at all. And that all stems from the coach, Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock said in the 24-7 HBO special that he focuses on the people that are playing in the game, not the injuries. And I personally do not focus on the injuries and focus on the people that are playing the game. The Red Wings haven't had depth like Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar and Thomas Yurko and Riley Sheehan and Luke Glendening for many years. Usually, it's Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, Johan Franz leading the way with the rest of their second, third, and fourth line that eventually okay. get them to the playoffs and push them through. It's a different season. Injuries were a problem. The so, youngsters have developed. And let me now say this. you can see the difference in the play. Let me see this. Okay. So you're, you're mentioning everything what Detroit does. Nothing bad there, of course. Only good. 
Um, but my my take is here. Do you think Detroit? You just said it. You pretty much said that you think Detroit has enough. I think Detroit's in trouble. To be honest with you, right now Detroit can't win a game at home. They're ten and eleven four at home. That's so uncharacteristic. The Joe is supposed to be hockey town. Right now it's hockey cabbage because they can't even win a game there. And I think it's embarrassing to me if you can't win in a game at home. I know your Bruins are you're just absolutely swerving, but like yeah, no problem, there. no problem there. But the thing is, seventy three points later, the thing is with the trade. I think I think so far it's been a disappointing season for them. I think they cannot win a close game right now. They're getting blown out. I think defensively they're struggling, and I think they need to give you more defensively, and they're not doing that. I know they're hurt, but who isn't? I don't think the defense is the main problem. I think that all year it's mostly been scoring, and I think mm-hmm. that honestly, I don't think that everyone's freaking out so much. If they could close some games in overtime, close some games late in regulation, or, God forbid, win a shootout. I mean, if you look at... At least you won one. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But if you look at the the stats there, I I don't know exactly how many shootout losses they have. I think 12 now. That leads the NHL. They have eight shootouts. Yeah, they're four and eight in shootouts. And then, including overtime, I think it's somewhere around 12. 12. It's 12. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's 12 points. You know, and obviously you're not going to win every overtime and shootout game you have. But the, I mean, you you'd like to see them get six more points out of there, and then they're well into the playoff picture. You know, and we're not having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, they're they're holding the, that last wild card spot down, Faith. I think it's one of the offensive things too, and to piggyback off uh, what Austin said, I think deepening, you know, their line. Like Nyquist performs, Tatar performs. These young guys are coming out and performing, and they're scoring and they're making moves. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I, I agree. They're, they're totally making moves, and they are. I mean, but the thing with Detroit is, you know, they expect to perform offensively, and they're not. But right now, for me, I never can remember Detroit with a negative goal differential because they score so many goals. So when you're not scoring that many amount of goals, look, you have to resort to good defense because obviously if you're not going to put a lot of pucks back in the net, you've got to play some good defense. For me, I know I always allude to it, New Jersey. New Jersey never scores a lot of goals, but they play better defensively. They've always been a defensive team, and they'll get people to play their scheme. I think Detroit right now is lost in translation. Right now, we don't know what to make of this Detroit Red Wing team. But for me, Harry, I think this Olympic break is going to tell you a lot, a lot about the Red Wings. Because right now, if their Olympic guys don't have a good, good Olympics, I don't think Detroit makes the playoffs. Man, I'm tired of hearing about the New Jersey Devils. This is Michigan, all right? There's not in New Jersey anymore. <laughs> what? The only Jersey we're talking about is the Super Bowl. But really, yeah. everybody. Apparently, worrying. everyone was saying it was New York. So <laughs> yeah. Everybody's worrying about, uh, about Red Wings making the playoffs. And obviously, they're struggling. Things aren't looking mm-hmm. good. But in a world where the yeah. Red Wings. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I mean, I, right. I, I In a world where the Red Wings don't make the playoffs, honestly, I've never went and lived in that world 22 years. So, mm-hmm. what happens if the Red Wings don't make the playoffs? In a world. I'm gonna yeah. do, do Transformers come alive and start eating us? I don't know, but it's, I just don't think it's going to happen because I've never seen it happen before. That's all i got to say. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. I agree. <laughs> they've made it for 22 straight seasons. They've made it probably longer than I've been alive. And I think the thing with the Red Wings is, the thing with the Red Wings is, I don't know. I just right now, to me, they're not giving you a lot. And I think they're, they're making their fans very disappointed because you don't know what to make of this team. And Jersey's a great state. I'm just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let me tell you what to make of this team, okay? The third, obviously, the Red Wings struggle in the third period. They haven't been able to close out games. They push the game into overtime, which eventually leads into a shootout, and they've been struggling in the shootout. Now, there's two spots in the shootout that matter, and it's goal scoring, and it's your goaltender, both of which the Red Wings have had inconsistency. I think in- Jimmy Howard is just awful in the shootout. I'll just say that. 
I, no question there. He, he's he's <laughs> off. He's just off on the shootout. I think Jimmy Howard has been playing poorly all season. Jonas Gustafsson came out. He backed him up pretty well, but he also got injured too. A lot of the Red Wings are getting injured this season, and I'm not pointing fingers and blaming it on those injuries. For me, I think that it's a great thing, and I think that it's a great thing that these p- young players in Sheehan, Yuriko, and Tatar have developed. Now, contending for the playoffs, they have to finish in the third, and you're right. They they do have to finish in the third, but they have to get more goals in the first and second as well. But regarding to those injuries, I think the Olympic break, I think that's going to be very, very important. I think it's going to give I these agree. guys a break to relax, recoup, get back in it, so that when season does come back after the Olympic break, Hopefully they'll be ready. Here's a point, too. Is I understand the Red Wings have 10 guys going to Olympics. They still have a lot of guys being rested. You know, they need that break. You said how injured Detroit is. Well, guess what? This two-and-a-half-week two break or whatever it is will give Detroit the mm-hmm. availability they need to rest and recuperate. And to me, Harry, or, you know, to me, Lou, that's important. Forget Harry for a second. He ripped on the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that the most important person right now for the rest of the season is going to be Jimmy Howard. I, he- yeah. I don't think that you can argue that because yeah. just because of his injury problems. I mean, it's been a tough year. He's Even a when he's in, I, he's I, he is. He has been this year. I mean, in his career, he hasn't really been no, a band aid. No, no, but fair. no, but right now it's pretty bad. So I think this Olympic break for him, he's not going to see any minutes. There's no question about that. He's going to, with Team USA, but he's not going to play. No, I mean he might. I mean, he probably won't even dress. But I think right. it's a good thing that he's still going to go. Because he's going to see these guys like Miller or Quick, whoever it is who starts, whoever it is that plays the majority of the minutes, performing. I think it's going to it's going to give him a chance to play with some of the best players in the world and practice, if nothing else, and then see these guys doing well, and hopefully want to mimic that, except in something that he can control, which would be the NHL regular season and getting these Red Wings into the playoffs. Which, for the record, I do think Detroit's going to make it again. All right, well, we'll get everyone's opinion on that at second. 517-432-3893 is the number to call in. Hey, we're on the pack roundtable. Call in if you disagree with us or want to just say how wrong I am or how right Lou is. But, you know, Austin, you know, you're like, you know, you're big on it. You understand. You think Detroit will make the playoffs. And, you know, you know, to me, I think they have an, an opportunity to make the playoffs. Because, right, I just don't think the East is as good as the West. That's not even debatable. Not debatable. I, I, it's just not debatable. Um, but to me, they're in the Atlantic, which happens to be the better division of the two in the Eastern Conference. Look, right now, if the season ended tomorrow, they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, look, we're, we're, we're coming off as very critical, but I just think Detroit has a higher standard. I think Detroit has got the 650 mindset. I know you disagree with me, but I think all Red Wing fans hold themselves to a high standard, as they should. It's Detroit. Absolutely. I mean, Detroit is hockey town. Born and bred as a Wings fan, obviously you can't lie with the 22-year consecutive, and I think it's going to be made 23 years because there are things that are falling into place in the Red Wings' advantage. They are nursing their players a little bit more than they were early on in the season. Injuries would happen. They nurse about a week, get back out on the ice. Now you haven't seen Pavel Datsuk played in a few weeks, but there are consistency amongst the lines. Those lines are starting to play with each other more and more and more, and the Red Wings are 3-1-1 one one in their past homestand, and yep. on yeah. their way to pushing the bus forward from the first. From, it was yeah, really the middle. It was really they're moving the, end in the, right. of the beginning to the middle of the season that was just so rough. They're moving in the right direction. And you mentioned their streak that they have going on at home. They have to win games at home. They're playing right now midway through the first period, scoreless against Vancouver at the Joe. Mm-hmm. So tune in always as usual, 430. Um, yeah, I think it is local here, 430 in the game. Or, 
has it. But guys, I I, I think the key thing is we're, I want to go real quick around and get everyone's thoughts about if Detroit will make the I, – I know where some allegiances lie, but <laughs> if Detroit will make the playoffs. Harry Jaden, I'm putting you on the spot first. Remember, all streaks have to end eventually. They do, and I don't think this year is going to be the year. Great teams make it happen. The Spurs in basketball, the Patriots in, in football – there's just something about it. Maybe they get calls from the officiating, but there's something about great teams. They just keep the streak going. Even when the roster's poor, they keep going. They keep getting the playoffs, and I think that's exactly what the Red Wings are going to do. Austin, you like him. I like what Mike Bab- uh, Sorry, I like what Mike, Mike Babcock goes by, and he always says, stick with the players you have in the ice. I trust the players that the Red Wings have on the ice this season. It's going to be 23 years. It'll be 24 next year. Keep the ball rolling, guys. Well, knowing Austin, it'll be 50 years, and they'll still have the streak going, 50 seasons. But Faith, mm-hmm. but Faith, what do you got? You like Detroit breaking the streak? You like them to go forward or what? They're going to move forward. I do believe 23 that. 23 straight seasons. I think, yeah, I think the uh, Olympic break is going to help, though, I ultimately. Do th- I agree. I, I do think it's going to help them a lot. They need it. Lou, what do you got? I think it's going to end eventually. I don't think there's any question about that. Right, right. But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon with Kenny Holland and Mike Babcock at the helm. Just yeah. Too, the, the organization is just too strong. As much as I want to pick against this streak just for the sake of just, you know, Throwing sticking it to all there. I'm not. Because uh, the the way I see it is for some reason, look, if the playoffs ended tomorrow, I think Detroit makes it. And I think Detroit is just too good of a team with too much experience with all these guys coming in, coming off, whatever, so-and-so, you know. They're going to get better play, and I think they're going to get better goaltending. I just think the Olympic break is going to help this Detroit Red Wings team immensely. I don't think they get 100 points this season. I think they float in somewhere in between 92, 93 points. But you know what? I do like the Red Wings to go forward. I think that the main point, if you look at the standings, there are a lot of poser teams still around. I think Columbus... They're a poser team right now. <laughs> they they're on a hot streak. It's not going to last. I like Tampa. They're getting Stamp goes back against Tam- Tampa's. They're the real deal. There's no yeah, doubt about Tampa's that. Carolina. Team. They're going to drop Washington. They don't have anything. So I think mm-hmm. Detroit. They definitely have the upper hand here. Yeah, I mean, I, this is a classic example of the Eastern Conference being a perfect benefit. You know, Detroit always says the Western Conference that this is the beauty of the East. The East beats up on each other. There's not a gap separation. If you look at Chicago, they're at 80 points. St. Louis 79. Colorado 75. Anaheim in a league of their own. 85 points to me that's the beauty of the eastern conference is it's a lot of teams that beat up on each other and it's more exciting hockey i've said that every time every place and i'll keep saying it next week guys packed is always fun on mondays same place monday from 7 to 8 on 88.9 fm wdbm east lansing here live from the basement of holden hall guys it's always good to talk with you guys either it's talking super bowl or it's talking msu basketball Next week, we'll be talking a lot of Olympics coming off that opening ceremony. We'll debate about the security Olympics and whether that's going to be an issue. Bring on the social side. And, of course, we'll be talking MSU basketball with Lou, Faith, and myself, as we always do every Monday from 7 8 from the basement of Old Hall. The number to call in, 517-423-3893. Hope you can give us a call next week and we can debate as we embrace the Spartan debate here on WDBM East Lansing. This is Fino signing off from the basement of Olden Hall. Turn up, East Lansing.